Welcome to A Flame for Christ, homilies to set your heart on fire with love for Jesus Christ. My name is Father Joseph Gill, and you've joined us on the fourth Sunday of Advent. So who is this King Ahaz in today's first reading? We actually only read a very small snippet of a much bigger story that features King Ahaz. So Ahaz was the king of Judah, which at that time was the southern kingdom. So Israel had split into two kingdoms after the death of Solomon. We had Israel in the north and Judah down in the south. And so Ahaz was the king of of the southern kingdom, Judah. Now, Judah was being attacked by the Assyrians. The Assyrians were the world power at that time. They had already conquered Israel in the north, and now they were coming for Judah in the south. And so King Ahaz did what any you know, right-thinking king would do. He decided to form an alliance with Egypt because Egypt could potentially protect them against the invading army of the Assyrians. But Isaiah the prophet came to Ahaz and says, no, 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 don't do this. Don't you trust the Lord? He's been with you all along. He's going to fight with you. Don't make an alliance with this pagan Egyptian empire. And this is where we pick up the story. Because Isaiah even offers Ahaz that God will do a sign, a miracle, to prove that God will fight for him. But Ahaz declines, not out of any sort of humility, but because he's already decided that he's going to disobey the Lord and he doesn't want him to be dissuaded out of it. So Isaiah says, well, despite your hardness of heart, God still will give you a sign, even if you don't want it. And the sign of the victory of God is that a virgin will conceive and name the baby boy Emmanuel which means God with us. How many times have we been like King Ahaz? You know, we think to ourselves, well, okay, God's up in heaven, but he doesn't have anything to do with my everyday life, so it's up to me to figure it out and to make my life what I want it to be. But in reality, the truth is God is not just up there in some distant heaven. He is also right here, Emmanuel, God with us. This past week, we remembered one of the most tragic events in recent memory, the 10 years since the school shootings at Sandy Hook. During that time, I know a lot of people were asking the question, where are you, God? How could you let this happen? And I must admit that those questions crossed my mind quite a bit on December 14th, 2012. I was actually in my first assignment at St. Mary's in Bethel, a mere seven miles from Sandy Hook. And all day long, I was watching the news and texting Father Luke, who was at St. Rose in Newtown. The priest over there is a good friend of mine. And we kept asking if there's anything we could do to help. And he kept texting back and saying, just pray, just pray for us. Please keep us in prayer. So finally at 10 p.m. that night, he texted me and he asked if I could gather the other priests at St. Mary's and head down to the firehouse in Sandy Hook. So we all headed down there and joined a crowd of other clergy and police officers. And the police chief had decided to form teams of three people, an officer, a psychologist, and a clergy member, and each team had to drive to the home of the family of one of the slain to give them the official declaration of death because it had taken them several hours to identify all the bodies. I'll never forget the utter terror I felt as I drove down the road to the home of Jack Pinto, one of the six-year-olds who had been killed. What can you say? I mean, how do you bring God's presence into the worst shooting that America had ever seen? When we got to the house, we heard just cries of utter despair and anguish from inside. I mean, I've, I remember hearing it. We knocked on the door and the parents were crying out, we know he's dead. We know he's dead. Still, we had to officially deliver the news. And so we let ourselves in and told them what we knew about their son. And so after that, we sat in the living room with the family. They didn't want to talk and we really didn't have any words for them. And so they wept and we wept and we couldn't do anything to take away the pain. I mean, what, what can you say to a family that's just lost their six-year-old in, in a senseless school shooting? We, even though we couldn't say anything or do anything to take the pain away, we could walk with them through it. And I realized that perhaps because it was Advent 
and in 10 days we'd be celebrating the feast of Emmanuel, that God was there, God with us, in the pain. Why was he allowing it? I don't know. I do know that we will know in eternity why this happened. But I also know that he was Emmanuel, God with us. In the midst of this tragedy, in the midst of the darkest day I've ever experienced, he was there, walking with us. God didn't need to say anything. He didn't need to do a miracle. We didn't feel his presence, and we had no consoling words from the Lord. But our faith told us that he was there. And yeah, it was a cold act of faith, to be sure. We felt no consolation. But I believe that he was present in that school, in that living room, and in every single person's life in this church today, no matter where they're at. In three days, we're going to be observing the shortest day of the year. The pagan Romans had a custom of celebrating on December 21st the Feast of Sol Invictus, which means the Feast of the Unconquered Sun. And the pagans had an inkling of what we as Christians know with certainty, that in the face of what seems to be gathering darkness, there is an unconquered sun who brings a light into the blackest night that the evil of man could ever create. When faced with the enormity of sin and evil, like that night 10 years ago, it can feel like darkness is winning. But Christmas tells us otherwise, because in those dark nights, we have the light of Emmanuel. Remember, he promised he is with us. (laughs) 